If you pay much attention to music, you might have heard that Beyonce has gone country? Wait, what? Is that true? Well, it kind of is. And we're going to talk about that and other Grammy-nominated singers making the news in this week's episode of The Plugged In Show. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I confess I couldn't believe it either. I saw a picture of Beyonce wearing a cowboy hat and I'm like, wait, is this for real? Is she really doing country? And she really is. And so our music reviewer, Kristen Smith, is here. Hey, Kristen. Hi. To tell us all about it. And I thought while we were talking about music, she could bring us up to speed on some of the other artists who were either nominated or won at this year's Grammys. Because there were a slew that, frankly, I wasn't very familiar with, and they all seemed really female-focused this year. So I thought, you know what? There's a lot that we could talk about there. And in our second segment... Paul Acey has just journeyed back from Arrakis, which of course is the desert planet of Dune. No, not really. But he did see the second installment in this sprawling sci-fi saga, which is in theaters this week. And we're going to plumb the depths of that story. And it's got a little bit of everything. There's war, there's religion, politics, ecology, spirituality, romance. And for all of that, Jonathan McKee still thinks it's boring. So Jonathan is also joining (laughs) us for our first segment this morning. It's true. (laughs) Well, before we begin in earnest, I want to give one big reminder. Next week's show will be a special episode. We'll be revealing our Plugged In Movie Awards for this year. And if you've been thinking... I just wish someone would give me a list of the best possible movies for kids, teens, adults, and Christians. Well, you're in luck. We're going to be debating our five nominees in each category. We'll pick our winner in each category, and we'll let you know who your picks are as well. In fact, if you haven't voted yet, there's still just a little bit of time to do that, and you can do that at the blog at PluggedIn.com, where you'll find recent blog entries for each of our four categories and a place to leave your comments with your votes below each of those articles. And you'll find links to those four categories in the episode notes for today's show as well. Well, with no further ado, let's dive in. As I already mentioned, joining me for our first segment today are Kristen and Jonathan. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hey. Well, it is that thing that uh, people in the entertainment industry affectionately call awards season. And uh, I suspect that if you are in Hollywood, if you're in TV, if you're in the music industry, it just feels like Christmas for months. But what about you guys? Here's what I want to ask you this morning. We're going to talk about the Grammys, and I thought it would be a fun way to start our conversation with this question. Do you pay any attention to award shows at all? And I'm talking Grammys, Oscars, Emmys, Why or why not? Is it even remotely on your radar? The only reason it's on my radar is because I get paid to do it. Okay. That's fair. I love the forthright. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't really think I've paid much attention ever in the past before working at Plugged In. Okay. Um, I guess I let, you just hear about it, right? If you don't watch it, you're going to hear from somebody, something that happened, and I felt like that's enough for a recap for me. I haven't heard of that movie before, and frankly, I don't care enough to look it up. (laughs) Or a YouTube clip that'll handle it in like five five minutes or less. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, what about you? Yeah, um, I'm, maybe I'm the opposite of Kristen. I'm the same, but I'm also the opposite in that she goes, (laughs) I never did pay attention to it. I used to pay attention to it all the time, Okay, and I used to because... It was my job uh, trying to keep 
current with what was going on in, in the world of youth culture and the stuff that young people were paying attention to. I'm paying attention to it a lot less only if I have to, just because it just kind of grieves my heart sometimes, mm. sadly, in all honesty, just seeing um, kind of some of the stuff we're celebrating to me yeah. is it, it honestly just literally grieves me. So mm. I pay attention to it whenever I have to. Well, and I yeah. think it's a reflection of how fragmented our culture has become. Yeah, totally. That these used to be sort of unifying points of cultural experience, yep. but yep. now everybody's kind of into their own thing. And we've even seen that with ratings the last decade or so. Every year, it feels like these things sort of continue to slouch toward irrelevance because yep. the numbers just go down and down and down. And and I think yeah. that it's not that people aren't watching movies or TV or listening to music. I think it's that there's such a broad spectrum yeah. of stuff that, that these award shows don't even really capture necessarily um, everything that's happening out there. And in a way, I kind of prefer that, you know, yeah. because there's so many options and now you're not just given like these six options that like the entire United States wants to vote on. It's yeah. like, okay, we can actually see people's like niches. Yeah. So having said that, one of the things that drew my wife and I together when we first met and got married was film and theology. And so for years we had Oscar parties. That's fascinating. Um, we haven't had an Oscar party for a while, but you know, we watched the People's Choice Awards this year. We watched the SAG Awards. We usually watch these award shows. Wow. And, and we have moments where it's like, okay, kids, it's time to leave the room now yeah, because right. there's almost always something utterly inappropriate somewhere along yeah. the line. Um, but uh, my wife especially still enjoys them and I kind of grudgingly tolerate them. Um, I don't know that on my own I would watch them, but it's interesting mm -hmm. for us to have those ongoing conversations. And I think this is a, a great segue into our main conversation about uh, Beyonce and the Grammys today because we did watch the Grammys and my wife kept asking my daughters, have you heard of that artist? Do you know who that is? And did even they know? They did. In almost every case, my daughters were aware of who a particular artist was. Okay. And they were making fun of me. I'm like, who's SZA? And my daughters are like, uh, Dad, it's SZA. Come on. You so old. Jeez, Dad. <laughs> um, so let's transition into talking about the Grammys. Because sure, I yeah. think even though the music world is fragmented, mm -hmm. there are still voices and personalities 100%. that sort of are rising to the top, are being recognized. And certainly uh, younger generations may be aware of them even if we as parents have finally become our parents, yeah. right? Where we're kind of clueless. So Kristen is here to tell us about us. Let's start with Beyonce. What? Sure. Beyonce's going country? Is that a she thing for real? She is. She is. Okay, well, listen, country is, it is what it is these days. It's evolved. It is not just right. <laughs> like what it used to be, okay? It's typically get country. Get your truck back, get your, yeah. get your dog back. Sometimes there's trucks and dogs. They're still in there, but. And beer. It's, <laughs> yes. It's really country pop now, right? With like even a little bit of rap occasionally or yeah. like some R&B mm -hmm. thrown in there. It's definitely morphed into this new thing, which to be fair, it's the only way I'll listen to country. Yeah. I do not love traditional country. Because the purists would say that's not even country. Oh, absolutely. And my husband from the South, he's like, this is trash. I'm like, well, I think your music's <laughs> trash. Oh, it's fine. So anyway. Time to go to counseling, <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. That's our contention point. But yes. So she has um, migrated to country. Um, definitely like a country pop kind of thing. Um, but she has a new song called Texas Hold'em. Okay. As well as 16 carriages, but we're talking about Texas Hold'em today. Um, and it is really catchy. 
Yeah. Like, not only is it all over TikTok, all over Instagram, uh, reels everywhere. So you're going to hear it in like every single reel now. But man, it's it's really catchy. And mm-hmm. like a positive, well, I say that lightly, in a positive way. Okay. We'll backtrack and talk about all the other things in a second. Yeah. So when you say it's in a positive way, actually, I want to know more about that. Tell me more about why you would characterize it that way. Okay. Well, I think... When it comes to an artist as big as Beyonce, who is really known, I mean, a lot of her music has gotten really um, aggressive. Yes. Um, violent, revengey, in the uh, same way profane. that... Profane. Profane, yeah. So there is profanity in this song, but this is less of, I'm going to go get drunk and do what I want to do and smash someone's car in and, you know, that kind of line yeah. of thinking. As it is almost like, it's almost like this like mini story that she's telling about how she it's like she opened a book about texas or somewhere in the west and she was like oh people like to go to dive bars and they like to dance but she's from houston totally totally so she she has some mm -hmm. right yeah so i think this is obviously her pulling off of perhaps like life experience, but it's really just this short story, if you will, about her enjoying those things and people like going through tornadoes or like heat waves and <laughs> things like that, that everyone knows that happen in the South. Yeah. Um, but then just singing kind of lightly about it. So it's kind of a slice of Americana. It sounds like. It really like, is. It is. As it, opposed to sort of an angry. Yes. Edgy. Yes. Thing. And if she were to leave, and I said this in my review, if she were to have left out, um, the profanity. Yeah. There's still some like, I want to drink a little and dance with this person, but like, that's really it, right? Okay. The profanities are bold and you hear them repetitively. Mm. So there's really no escaping them. And I think yeah. if it's on, you know, the radio, which I don't really listen to the radio, so I don't know what is and isn't bleeped out. It is an explicit song. What's the radio? What is that? <laughs> I listen to Spotify. But anyway, um, you, you're not going to be able to escape that okay. aspect of it. So next question, Beyonce's been around a long time. Totally, I mean, yeah. she's practically a heritage act at this point, you know, after decades Queen in the spotlight. B. Queen, Queen B. B. Do you think she still has a draw for younger listeners who are just discovering her for the first time? And obviously that's a super subjective question, but yeah. I'm curious what you think about that. Well, I mean, this is pulling on, my goodness, like eight plus years ago. So I'm kind of dating myself. But when I was a teacher, <laughs> a high school teacher, yeah, I mean... They worshipped Beyonce. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would assume culturally, like depending on what circles you run in, yes. Yeah. Like she's huge. Yeah. She's huge. Well, and I know that when I reviewed her concert film fairly recently. Oh, yeah. It was a reminder of Beyonce. She is. She reigns supreme. She's the queen. She is. Um, Now, that said, I think that, you know, there may be younger audiences that are discovering her, but I suspect that there are also young listeners and young music fans who are discovering artists that maybe were nominated for the first time or Mm -hmm. are kind of on the rise who may not be household names. And there were a whole bunch that, like I said in in the intro, that I wasn't familiar with. But I would love to hear Kristen as Plugged In's music person. Who needs to be on our radar, especially when we're talking about, you know, these younger female artists that we may have daughters, especially who are connecting with them? Oh, man. All right. I'm going to give you what I think. And then I'm actually interested to hear what Jonathan has to say, if he has any, like, counter. (laughs) 
<laughs> counterpoints. <laughs> but I think mm. there were a lot of nominees like we talked about. So there's yeah. SCA, just kidding, SZA. SZA. Uh, Victoria <laughs> Monet, Billie Eilish. And Victoria Monet was the best new artist this year. She was. So she was one of the ones that I hadn't heard of at all. Well, here's the thing. If you are on Instagram or TikTok and you hear like the trending music, you're going to hear her. Okay. Like, And you might not know it's her because it's like a derived part of her song right but anyway you'll hear her and then lana del rey mm-hmm. um janelle monet gracie abrams she's really big boy genius olivia rodrigo taylor swift miley cyrus it just never ends all the people <laughs> i would say some of the bigger names that we kind of know and i think they're, this is still true of them is like gracie abrams lana del rey I don't, i'm not gonna lie i don't really get the pull towards her so i'm just gonna yeah. like not talk about her right now <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry, Lana, if you're listening. (laughs) Maybe next time. (laughs) Billie Eilish, Olivia Rodrigo, Taylor Swift, Beyonce. Those are probably names where we could just kind of stay there. Everyone would know. Right. And I would say Mm -hmm. to continue to pay Mm -hmm. attention to them. Right. Yeah. And of the ones that are coming up, are there some that that we need to be paying a special attention to? I I don't know about special attention. I think Olivia Rodrigo... And Gracie Abrams are enough like Taylor Swift that yeah. if you listen to Taylor Swift, you kind of know what they're going to sing about. Yeah, that's right. You know, and uh, let me weigh in here from dispatches from Dadville. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys know we've had conversations about the fact that my girls like Taylor Swift, and it's an ongoing navigation process sure. to deal with Taylor because sure. some of it's lovely, romantic, mm-hmm. sweet. Yep. Uh, some of it's not. Yep. That's <laughs> okay. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, I sort of feel like if Taylor Swift was a superhero, Olivia Rodrigo and Gracie Abrams are like these two different sidekicks. And That's so right. Olivia That's a good way. is the super, super, super angry version of Taylor. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like she's more blunt. She's more foul. She's more yep. explicit. Mm-hmm. And Taylor's mm-hmm. been using profanity lately, but she has. Olivia has more. Oh, yeah. Like... I listen to Olivia Rodrigo and I'm like, ooh, she is angry. And and I don't even necessarily feel that way with Taylor. Like Taylor still has a sheen of she's reflecting on life experiences where- She's also older than her. And she is. But Olivia comes at you and it's like, oh man, she's got an ax to grind. And then Gracie Abrams sounds so much like little Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. that sometimes my daughters will listen to Gracie and I'll be like, is that a new Taylor Swift song? I'm like- She's no, like the more indie version of her, though. She's the more indie version, but she's nicer, sweeter. Yes. Um, not quite as in your face. So and far. So, so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, it's there's always time. But, but I feel like Taylor has sort of paved the way for this new, almost romanticized genre. And we're getting these offshoots like, like Gracie yes. and Olivia. Is that a fair yeah. assessment, yeah. do you think, Kristen and Jonathan? Yeah, I do. And I think we really have about three... Well, there are a lot of themes that we could talk about. Yeah. But we hear a lot about revenge. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of introspection, which I think is really good. So maybe four here. Um, hedonism. Okay. And casual sex. Okay. Do you feel like those are the things that show up here? Yes. And is it pretty much equal measure? Yes. I'm, I'm asking you to generalize, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think okay. maybe revenge is a little less of Gracie Abrams and more Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo. Right. But yeah. Gracie hasn't lived long enough. That's right. Jonathan, we've been sort of talking back and forth on on the influence these young singers have. And you, as you mentioned, have have listened to and watched musicians influence pop culture for a long time. What's your perspective on where we're at today and, and yeah. how some of these singers might be shaping culture? Well, I, 
let's talk broad brush strokes. And one mm. of the things you did talk about was language. I think the switch yep. um, from where young people are listening to music has affected the freedom at which they're able to hear uncensored content. Oh, that's yeah. a great um, point. In other words, because if you think of like, I remember, gosh, Oh, literally over a decade ago on the parenting workshop circuit as I was out talking to parents so often I was like which songs are your kids listening to on iTunes you Did know you which ones are they voice? down yeah, <laughs> which ones are they downloading <laughs> you know and it was all about what they were downloading and and does it have the explicit that. logo and that kind of stuff yep. it doesn't even matter anymore i mean nope. it's right. just i mean kids have access to everything on their phones and it's all uncensored if you click you know when beyonce uh was on the country charts you know, when she hit it last week and she was number one, you know, the art right there, uh, you know, that yep. goes along because there's always a picture. It's there. crazy you know, explicit. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's not nudity, but it's as close <sighs> as you can get to nudity as possible. You yep. know? And so and this is the stuff that just streams on our kids phone. This is the stuff they just have every day. And if it's explicit. I guess if you really paid attention, you could probably look and go, oh, wait, that does have a little E there, you know, but <laughs> literally nobody's paying attention to it. So we're starting to see a lot of that. That's, so that's one trend is is where kids are streaming stuff. It's a great you point. Know, uh, honestly, there's less sensors out there hmm. and kids just have access to more explicit content. So that's one thing I've noticed. The other thing is um, I'm starting to notice in young people just in talking with parents, especially on the parent circuit and stuff like that, kids have less... Um, experience with good conflict management, how to handle stress, how to handle life, how to handle arguments. And when I listen to music, even my beloved country music, um, <laughs> I just, I cannot we'll believe you, how often yeah. songs are just about like, oh yeah, she said this. Well, let me tell you. Well, I'm going to take the high road and I'm not going to gossip, but let me tell you what she did say. You know, and I'm like, that's not the high road. You know, it's just, it's hilarious. I mean, honestly, the lyrics are laughable at times mm. because, and either Adam, you and I are turning to grumpy old men. We're pretty soon going to be like, oh. get off my lawn. <laughs> Speak but for yourself. I'm very happy, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though. I can't help but just think, you know, oh, this generation, because I, I just feel sad at what they're being fed because the mm -hmm. content is hilarious. So, so th those are the two comments I'll make about what I'm noticing of the content. I love uh, those observations, Jonathan. Kristen? Yeah, I, I just want to say sorry for not including that about Beyonce because I was just talking like sonically, like lyrics, right. but it's true. You cannot yeah, sure. separate the video content or even what pops up. I have Spotify right. and I pulled yep. up this song to listen to it and I was like, oh my Goodness gracious, put some clothes on, girl. Right. Um, and this is like true of all the music videos and all the things. But even if it's not a music video, you have typically this slow-mo clip of them and coming onto the screen wearing whatever they wear. So that's a good point. Second, you may all be becoming angry old men. I don't know. I can't speak to that. But um, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I don't think it's true. Because you're a medium angry, slightly younger woman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's if right. we're ranking one another. Right, right. <laughs> um, I think... To your point, Jonathan, something that you said made me think about how, I think this is probably true in the past as well, but something in this rise where it's not just not just millennials, but Gen Z, we've really come into what our therapist says about us or what society says about us or what we label ourselves as and music is adding to this. So for example, mm. if you struggle with anxiety, you are anxious, right? Right. 
if you struggle with depression, you are depressed. Mm. And this is a huge distinction that I think we need to make as Christians. And we're seeing that reflected in music? 100%. Yes. You're kind of saying the labeling. The The labeling. Yeah. It is is becoming a part of who I am, right? Mm. It's a stigma. Yes. And imagine now this is what you say about yourself. This is not only what you say about yourself, it's who you are. And now you're listening to music that's just enforcing all of these things. Mm. I am anxious. I am depressed. I am all of these things. Not that I struggle with it because that distinction matters, but that I am this thing. Mm. And I was thinking this morning, just kind of over this topic, that the Bible's really clear that it's no longer I who live, but it's Mm. Christ who lives in me, right? Our identity, and I know we talk about this a lot, and my gosh, if I had a teenager and they heard me, they'd probably be rolling their eyes. I hope not, but maybe about what I'm saying. Your time's coming, girl. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I think... This matters so much. And I can say that like in my 30s, because when I was a teenager or like in my young 20s, I didn't really care or pay attention to any of this, but it did influence who I was. Mm. But I think the influence is even stronger now because we have so many voices. We have the phones, we have the music that tells us or says that, hey, you are this thing instead of that you struggle with this thing. And scripture is really clear that we have a new identity in Christ. We have a way to combat this, right? Spiritually, we pray, we, we speak scripture over ourselves, like we're not the label. Um, and then the other verse that I was thinking about was Psalms 25, four and five. It says, teach me your ways, Lord, mm. make them known to me. Teach me to live according to your truth for you are my God who saves me. I always trust in you. But I think the thing that stood out to me was teach me your ways that I can live according to your truth, not my truth. Because right. that's huge, and it's even huge in music. If I'm angry... Well, it's especially true in music. Yes. It's my story, and my story matters more than anything. Who mm. I, It's who I am. Right. When you should be able to separate those two. Right. So there's a level of emotional immaturity coming in to play here as well that we just see strewn across specifically to young women. Like if we're going to talk about Taylor and Olivia and all these people, that that's probably like the strongest theme I see is like in a, a level of emotional immaturity where like we never really grew up. Hmm. And that's really concerning to me. Wow. Uh, Kristen, you've just said so many things that I want to comment on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even sure where to start. I think that I want to, at the sort of top level, just reinforce the idea that um, it is about identity, right? That music has always been about teenagers and tweens especially Mm -hmm. connecting emotionally, not only with a style of music or a song, but a person and their ideas. And so I think your observations about how we're seeing these mental health things reflected, wow, that's really fascinating. And I sort of see it, I think, both ways. On one level, I think when these stars sing about mental health issues, there may be an opportunity there that gives our kids a chance to be honest yes. about that. Yes. But to the extent that they identify with it and glom onto it unhealthily, yep. that's obviously a bad thing. Well, and, and I want to be very clear too, because as I talk about, you know, uh, you know, this generation and some of the inability to cope with some of this anxiety, some of this angst, um, and, you know, not giving them the skills to do this. I want to emphasize it's our fault, adults. Hmm. It's our fault. This isn't the young people's fault. It, it, it truly is our fault. I mean, the people pumping the music to the young people are adults. And the people allowing the music into young people's ears is adults. Because, you know, it, it's clear, and we've, we've mentioned on this podcast so many different times, I mean, our family pediatrician has been for decades saying, bare minimum, keep devices out of the bedroom. Hmm. And, 
Yet, you know, I mean, the most recent studies still show pretty much about eight and mm. 10 young people bring their devices into the bedroom every night. Who's allowing that? It's yep. us. It's yep. us as parents. We're not doing our job. And so I, I would jump back to the Psalm 78, which is, you know, the famous, so the next generation would know chapter. And at the beginning mm. of the chapter, he just, you know, starts with just my people hear my teaching. Mm. And he talks about how we, let's not hide it from our descendants. You know, let's tell the next generation, even the ones not born yet, so that they will know, so that they will put their trust in God. And the fact is, um, we as a generation of parents haven't been modeling this. Hmm. We haven't been providing uh, the realistic guy, you know, helpful guardrails, stuff as simple as let's keep the devices out of the bedroom. Uh, and, and most of all, we haven't been teaching them the truth so that they recognize the lies. Um, I'm going to go one step further. When it comes to the modeling part of it, mm. um, I think we as adults have become more angry. We sit around and watch the news channel we like, and we bark at it, and we become more divisive. And in, you know, by claiming righteousness, we yell at that other party and our kids see that. And I think we need to ask ourselves, what are we modeling? Mm. What are our kids seeing how we handle conflict when we yell or agree or disagree with what we're seeing on the news? And I think there's a generation growing up very confused about how to handle these stressful situations. And I think it really rests on us. Mm. I like that point. I th I'm going to bring something up that doesn't directly like correlate with that. But my parents did a good job, I feel like, with us with, with music to an extent. Growing up, it was like, if you've ever listened to like Nate Bergazzi, like his funny like Christian 90s parents, we were... <laughs> you was, had them? I had them. It was very strict. Um, That's funny. Only certain types of music. But then, of course, I, we, I was homeschooled till seventh grade and then I went to public school. And it was in public school. Just kidding. That, you know, everyone <laughs> listens to something different. It's different. And so I brought, there was a lot of music brought into the house. We weren't, my dad was like a no, you know, profane rap kind of guy, which is great. <laughs> and so we didn't really listen to that. But the point is, is that I started to kind of like listen to the things that I liked, right? Like mm -hmm. I was allowed to kind of venture into like different music that wasn't just like on K-Love or whatever. But... My parents did a good job about having conversations with us yep. later in life. And mm -hmm. even my sister. So even so, like as an example, hopefully she's not going to listen to this, but it's fine. So she was listening <laughs> to a lot of things that like my parents. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> that she didn't love, but she made the choice in having conversations about it to stop listening to like an entire genre of music. Yeah. Just because of the way it was influencing her. And so I think to Jonathan's point, to your point. I, I try to put myself into like the teenage position again because I have littles. It's easy for me as a parent with littles to be like, just no, no. Right. You know, but now you have these, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds. That's not going to fly as much. Mm -mm. And you're going to like cause probably a pretty heavy spirit of rebellion if you're like, duh, 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 here's all the walls. No one's leaving. Right. And so I think we always come back to this, but seriously having the conversations, taking devices out of the bedroom, I feel like that is where I would be like, too bad, I'm the parent. <laughs> like right. that's that's what's happening. Yep. Don't yep. know what to tell you. Yeah. But the kind of things that you're interested in, I think the pro, we, we talk a lot about the negative and there is a lot of negative, but the pro is that we do have so many alternatives now. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. And so I think for parents, you actually have this platform to have wider discussions 
and a replacement, if you will, or just maybe an alternative yeah. that you can present your kids. And I think every family is going to be different. And we have talked yes. about this before on the Plugged In Show. I think that that we would loosely advocate a movement toward when our kids are young, we are absolutely the gatekeepers and av- we should be. an avoidance yep. Yep. of the things that are blatantly yep. out of bounds is our responsibility. And somewhere in those middle teen years, I think that we do need to pivot toward we're going to begin to give you some more freedom to make decisions. Mm-hmm. We may still actually veto some things, that, yeah, right? That's good. And and maybe it's not a whole artist. Maybe it's an individual song. Yes. You know what? Yep. We're not listening to that song. Yep. We're just not. Yep. Um, and for example, um, we listened to Taylor Swift on her new re-release, 1989, Taylor's version. There's a song called Slut. Yep. We don't listen to it. Yep. I'm like, you know what? We're not going to listen to a song that glorifies this word. Yep. Um, and so that's a line that's good, that, um. that we have held. Now, you could look at me and say, okay, it's frog in the kettle and, and the water's still pretty warm because you're listening to Taylor Swift. But that conversation is, what does Taylor say about relationships? Where is she finding our, her identity? Mm-hmm. I hope that we're having this ongoing conversation of talking about those things so that when my kids leave... They have had practice doing that. And there's not a one-size-fits-all answer here. And I know there are going to be parents out there who's like, for real, bro, you're deluding yourself here. Um, But we talk about her ideas about relationships all the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have pretty open conversations about here's where Taylor's looking for meaning and here's where she's off base. Well, I think, too, this is discipleship. Right. I mean, this is we're called to do it. Sorry, guys. Like this is our responsibility as parents. It's tiring. Yeah. But this is a good opportunity. I feel like for you to also as a parent, for me as a parent to continue to be discipled. Yes. Like this is a train, a line Mm -hmm. here. Right. Like I continue it so that I'm discipling my kids so that that when they graduate and they go out into the world, they're able to do the same thing. Yeah. And let me just circle back to one point that both of you made, and we'll we'll bring this conversation in for a landing today. Um, I think that the importance of scripture here can't be overstated. Yeah. That as a family, that we are in scripture as parents, that we're helping our kids to be in it, that there's this constant sort of plumb line. Here's the plumb line of truth. And sometimes our kids may surprise us. My son recently has said, you know what? I'm going to take a break from social media because it's making me feel bad about myself. I love that, you know, and not that it's making him feel bad, but But that he has discernment to do that. That he is owning that for himself. And I think as we raise our kids in the faith, Mm -hmm. hopefully they begin to internalize things where it's not us prescribing what their convictions have to be, but they begin to own them for themselves. And it's a messy process. And I'm not going to say that it's easy because it's not, but our hope is by the time they leave the nest, they have had practice owning those things for themselves and they're equipped as they move out into the world to say, oh boy, uh, I kind of like this, but there are some things here that maybe I don't want to, you know, just embrace completely. So great conversation today, guys. I love talking about music with both of you. And I hope that as you have listened today, there have been connection points and handholds for your own 
relationships with your kids. And we would love to hear your stories as well. What have your pain points been? Where have you had successes? How are you building relationship um, and navigating these issues as you talk to and raise and disciple your kids? And you can let us know. Just shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com or even just leave a comment for us on Facebook or Instagram. Well, in our second segment today, Paul AC joins us to talk about Dune Part 2. What do we need to know about Dune Part 2? So this will come as no surprise. Dune Part 2 picks up where Dune Part 1 left <laughs> off. And essentially... This weekend, <laughs> Captain Obvious. <laughs> so essentially, when we last saw Paul, he was in the middle of the desert just And this is Paul Atreides, to, right? Paul Atreides. Uh, he is the son of a duke who was killed by some terrible, terrible Ooh, people. Yes. He, uh, he was given control of a big planet called Arrakis. Arrakis. Um, which is the only location for spice in the galaxy. This particular spice called Melage. Yep. And uh, yeah. And why is spice important? See, it's impossible to talk about Dune without immediately being. You have to get so, super geeky. So geeky, Yeah, right? you have to dive into this real minutia type of stuff, yep. right? So this spice, it, it gives you some sort of weird preternatural abilities in some people. Yep. It makes space travel actually possible right. within this universe. So it's extraordinarily important. Right. It's almost like oil. Like it, it drives exactly the universe, right? right? That is, and now exactly back to you, Paul. Right. No, that what you're saying is exactly right. So this is the only place where that spice is is mined. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, Paul's family was given the planet essentially to keep the spice production up, uh, but there was a big old clash between houses. The the galaxy is filled with these very powerful houses. Paul's house was attacked by House Harkonnen, which are really a group of terrible, terrible right. people. Think, Terrible think the baddest bad guys in bad yeah. guy history and then multiply it. Darth Vader would be the nice, innocent child if he was in yes. our Conan. Yes. Uh, of course, he was a nice, innocent child, but that's, <laughs> another, that's another conversation <laughs> for another time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, essentially, House Harkonnen has taken over the planet Arrakis. Uh, Paul has been uh, left out into the desert with his pregnant mother, and that is sort of where the story begins. Paul has found himself in with the group of people called the Fremen. Um, they are the, the natives of Arrakis. The Fremen are a little bit suspicious of him, but there's this weird spiritual underlay, right? Where they have been, the Fremen have been waiting for a messiah figure. And there are some clues that this Paul character could be the messiah that they've been waiting for. Um, so really, the entire story of part two is about Paul's uh, integration with the Fremen, how he goes to to becoming a massive leader with these people Mm -hmm. and the climactic struggle that takes place with the native Fremen and House Harkonnen and beyond. Well, and I said in the intro, this is a story that has a little bit of everything. There's politics, there's war, there's romance, there's spirituality, you know, there's drama, there's gigantic worms. I mean, there's something for everyone Gigantic worms. Um, If... Families maybe are only a little bit familiar with the story. 
what do you think is most important for people to be aware of with regard to maybe the either the content or the themes in this movie? You know, I would say that probably the themes are going to be the biggest, the okay. spiritual themes. These really come to the forefront. They have always been a part of the Dune story, yeah. right? They were a huge part of part one. They seem like they have jumped up a level or two in part two. Yeah. Um, because the real question is whether... Paul is this Messiah that yeah. they've been waiting for. Yep. And there's a lot of uncertainty, maybe with even even within Paul's own family. Yep. Um, we learned that a lot of the messianic prophecies were mm-hmm. actually planted by this group called the Bene Gesserit, mm-hmm. uh, who is one of the members of which is Paul's mother. Right. So she is- But she's in, kind of a rebel. She's kind of a rebel, but and she's trying to- I guess, fan the flames of this messianic movement. Meanwhile, uh, Paul is just saying, listen, I just want to, I want to be here. I want to fight with the Fremen. I'm not a Messiah. I know that I'm not a Messiah. But there's this real push-pull where people are saying, oh, yes, actually, you are. Yeah. Because look at all these prophecies you fulfilled. Here, 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 here. So there's a huge amount of tension. And when you're talking about families going to this movie, it is extraordinarily problematic on one level. It's extraordinarily interesting on another level where if you feel like you can navigate some of these issues, it can be a a fantastic jumping off point to talk about the faith that we see in Dune Part 2 and our own faith and how it differs some of the the echoes that we might see in Christianity and what we see there. Um, There's a lot of room for discussion. So this is an action movie. It's PG-13. Content-wise, what are we dealing with? You said, you know, there are some things that that families are going to want to potentially be really cautious about yeah. what are those yeah Paul? it's it's violent you know yeah. it's violent um we, and grotesque too at times it, it right? can be very grotesque the, the harkonnens let me just say that they are really really terrible people and they kill people all the time just for looking wrong right you know um it, so you see some straight up murder that can mm. feel really really jarring you find some very disturbing images within this world as well there's some sensuality you know mm-hmm. we we live in a world that Paul's mother was actually a concubine right. of his father and you have sort of that element where you definitely have some extramarital involvement here. Uh, It's not very explicit, but it's definitely there. And you will definitely notice it if you're there. There's a little tiny bit of language. I noticed that there were a couple of uh, major profanities that you might need to navigate better than, honestly, better than your typical superhero movie in some ways, but they're still there. Paul, we've talked about some of the themes and some of the content. How did it work as a movie? Because I'm seeing some really strong reviews saying this is an amazing story. And especially since we've had so many big budget disasters at the box office. I'm wondering how this stacks up. Yeah, yeah. The original Dune, Dune Part 1, was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Honestly, as far as a movie goes, Dune Part 2 is better. Okay. It's really a strong movie. You have all these content problems that parents really need to pay attention to. But as far as a movie-going experience, it's three hours long. Mm. It did not feel three hours long. So time your Coke accordingly. (laughs) Exactly. There is one battle sequence that might be the strongest thing I've seen on film since Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. It was a powerful movie aided by Hans Zimmer's fantastic soundtrack. Uh, It is an impressive 
film if you decide to go see it. All right. Well, Paul, thanks for giving us the information that families need to make the best decision possible about Dune. And it may be that you still have questions. And as always, you can check out Paul's full review at PluggedIn.com. Thanks, Paul. You bet. Well, now it's time for a segment we call Pop Culture Connection, wherein we are joined by our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. And she asks us questions <laughs> about stuff in pop culture. And <laughs> it's our job stuff. to give as many answers as possible. And the emphasis here is on, it's on quantity. That's right. Not, is Jonathan playing? Jonathan is playing. Uh, it's on quantity, yeah. Paul. Not yeah. quality. Quantity. <laughs> yeah. We're, not, we're not looking for one good answer. We're looking for 13 short answers. Can Jonathan go first? Actually, I do have Jonathan up first. Okay. Jonathan. Yes. Yes. First. I don't know if it's, just, know if it's worse to be over like, with. yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Destroy right, us now. What movie can you rewatch over and over again and why? I'm going to say while you were sleeping because it's my wife's favorite. It just makes her happy every time we watch it. We're always laughing. Uh, we love Joe Jr. He's got so many good lines. As a matter of fact, there's so many good characters there. It's Christmas, which is another thing that we really love because we love Christmas. We love Chicago. It's got that theme in there. It's kind of that, in a way, a Cinderella story, which is also a, a nice part of it. But uh, it's got humor. It's got drama. Um, it's fairly clean as movies go today. So that's another one that's really cool. Yeah. It's got um, blue. And, it's yeah, got red. Yeah. It's got <laughs> green. You know what? People Paul, speak in English. I don't want, I'm not even trying to win. And yet you're talking. I even qualified because we really like Chicago. I didn't just say yeah, Chicago, that's true. Paul. It's true. I qualified because we like Chicago. How many yeah. points you know? did he get? Eleven. Christmas, which is, oh, man. Eleven, yeah. Eleven points, Jonathan. points. You know, I yeah. have a confession I've never seen while you were sleeping. What? I thought it was like some sort of weird Julia Roberts suspense horror movie. You know? No. Oh, it kind of does sound like it would be. In. No, yeah. it's Sandra but it's Bullock, not. Yeah, yeah. right? Sandra Bullock. Yeah. I actually, it's a Sandra really Bullock. sweet movie. Peter with that it one, really with Peter Gallagher, who makes funny faces. I actually think it's a really weird yes. movie. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great movie. And Bill Pullman. And Bill Bill, Pullman. Also Bill Pullman. Yes. Who's next, Ashley? Kristen oh, is uh, next. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. This so you need 11 points to tie Jonathan. Y'all, I have three small kids, and this is the most stressful part of my day. That <laughs> tells you anything. Let's get it over so, with. You can do so it. so awesome. All right. I love it. Kristen, okay. who do you think is the best hero, not a super, of all time and why? Oh. Hero? Hero. Yeah. I'm going to say my grandma and be really nice awesome. because she was a boss and she worked really hard jobs and she did a single mom thing for a long time and she had like six boys and she had a really strong personality to corral the heathens and <laughs> she was also very kind and loving and took care of us really well and made me my favorite breakfast and uh, always you know made sure I was taken care of and we talked about really great things and went to the library all the time and yeah that was it awesome you tied with Jonathan what <laughs> right yeah so, I think she meant pop culture hero but I love you hearing know about your I grandma only, I couldn't think of anybody so I chose I my grandma so what was your favorite breakfast works. it works my mom hates that I say this, but she made the best toast in the world. <laughs> okay, can I say something about breakfast? Yeah. Okay, this is random. Um, you guys know I'm from Iowa, right? Yes. And Caitlin Clark is crushing it in women's basketball. Always comes I back just to spent Caitlin Clark. $35 to get a box of Caitlin Clark Crunch, which is just Frosted Flakes. But we have been enjoying wow. Caitlin Clark Crunch for breakfast. So you're actually eating it. Yeah, we are. That's but good. we'll save the box. Well, it's you weird should to save... have like 
you know, cereal that's never opened. Well, it's kind of gross. I've got than this a conversation. story to tell about that. Should we okay. tell it later? We'll yeah, tell maybe, it later. Maybe later. Yeah, I, I sort of hijack things. Ashley, back to you. <laughs> all right. Adam. Yes. Who do you think is the most underrated actress of all time and why? Oh, man, the most underrated actress. Well, I'll have to go with Elizabeth Shue because, A, most people aren't going to pick her. B, (laughs) she was in Karate Kid. And, you know, she sort of got typecast as the pretty girl. But she has a lot of range. She's done a lot of different things. Although, now that I think about it, several of them were R-rated and you probably shouldn't watch them. Um, Honestly, she was my teen crush. That's the real answer to this question. So I'm not even sure I'm giving a fair answer here. Uh, She was in one of the Back to the Future movies, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. Adventures of Babysitting. Adventures of Babysitting. Babysitting. Yeah. I just remember her from Cocktail. Called Glory. TV show about Vietnam. Oh, and she was was in the one you shouldn't watch, Hollow Man. Hollow Man. Yeah, don't watch Hollow Man. She's been in The Boys, I think. She was like the evil person. Anyway, my time is done and I don't think I won. Got six points. Yeah, six for Elizabeth. That's Sorry, nice. Elizabeth. I'll try harder. Wow, that's if we were rating on a. Calm down. You haven't went yet, AC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you haven't went okay. yet. Before he told this is you. I haven't well, went. I'm ready. All I'm right, ready it's to up go to you. Blue, red. <laughs> Sorry. Which do you prefer, TV or movies, and why? Oh, you know what? I'm going to say TV because number one, you get to watch episode one, episode two, episode three, episode <laughs> oh, four. Cheater, stop. No, you are able to, to dive point. into the characters a little bit better. You know, I think that movies, they're sort of a concentrated thing where you can only have two hours with these characters when you have you know 27 hours to unpack these stories the stories can become richer more involved more uh more moving in a certain sort of way very nice very nice yeah you don't get four points for counting to four i'm <laughs> just yeah. i mean i'm gonna two, leave it to ashley but episode that, three my, episode but four. i got seven points for paul okay. Good so kristen and I jonathan mean, are our winners you taught you got a silver and i got a bronze and yeah, they got golds all i care about is beating adam that was fine well you <laughs> good did, job jonathan i think it was hey, fun job, for kristen. everybody <laughs> for me to swing and miss and and that's what we do on pop culture connection some days are diamonds and Some days are stones. Having said that, we hope that this episode has been a diamond for you today. We love the fact that you have joined us for our conversation. As always, we hope that it's equipped and challenged you in some way as you think about your family and the entertainment and technology issues that you deal with. This week, we were pretty entertainment-focused. I hope as we talked about music and talked about Dune Part 2, there were some things that connected with you, and we would love to hear from you. What did you think about this year's Grammys? Who are your kids listening to that you would like us to review if we haven't done so already? Are you a Dune super fan? Jonathan, you're not allowed to answer. (laughs) Here's how you can tell us what you think in answer to those questions. You can go to thepluggedinshow.com and leave us a voicemail with your answers, and we might just include it on a future show, or reach out to us at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And in fact, this week we heard from Rachel. She's a listener in Northern Ireland. She said she loves the show. She was a little bit concerned on our recent conversation about Cocomelon Lane that we didn't give enough context about a boy who tries on a dress before removing it. She felt we made it sound like he wears the dress the whole episode. And she writes, I love listening to Plugged In, but in this case, I think you are not wholly honest with the listener. So Rachel, thank you for letting us know that. And I want to respond to that and say, 
We love hearing from you. Our goal is to give you the best information you can find to make the best decisions for your families. And sometimes I think as we get going in these back and forth conversations, we can sort of communicate in shorthand. So Rachel, thanks for letting us know what you thought about that. We love hearing from you and anybody else listening today, we would love to hear from you as well. Well, as I mentioned earlier, be sure to come back next week for our special Plugged In Movie Awards episode. I guarantee that it will be a spirited conversation. You will not want to miss it. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us at the Plugged In Show this week. We know you have a lot of ways that you can spend your time. There are so many options out there, and we are glad to spend some of that time with you. As always, we look forward to another great conversation with you next week on the Plugged In Show. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the back seat. It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.